We're looking uh, these few weeks at the book of James in the New Testament. And James is a book that people often read and think that is common sense. It tells you how to do life skills, how to upskill with your listening, how to speak better, how to up your levels of productivity, how basically to do life well. But it goes beyond common sense. A life lived well is not possible unless you have God in your life. Not, not really. Certainly not the topic that we're going to look at together this morning. Uh, we're going to think about how life is for, I guess, for many, if not all of us, pressurized at times, stressful. Uh, we can be a little bit scared about what's around the corner. Uh, we can feel our anxiety levels rising. And what we're going to look at today is how to live lightly. How to live lightly. And our reading is in James chapter 4 and beginning at verse 13, if you've got a Bible or on the screen. So James chapter 4. Let me read this. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Should we have a word of prayer before we look at what that might be saying to us today? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence today. Thank you for all these exciting plans around Christmas and events. And, but Lord, we pray that your word to us will speak to us and make a significant impact on the way that we live our lives this coming week. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, first, just to put you at your ease, when I read that, James is not talking about how you shouldn't be in business and that you shouldn't make money. I mean, he could just as easily have said, you who say that tomorrow you're going to buy a house or start a family or get married or move out of London. He's not making a thing about making plans he is talking about the way that we make our plans. He's saying that there's something fundamentally wrong that you do when you do your planning, which is that you don't continually check up your plans with me. And he says it is boastful. It's arrogant. It's a sin. I mean, it's a bit strong, isn't it? I thought I was just making my way, trying to figure it out, keeping my head down, minding my own business, figuring out when to go and see the in-laws at Christmas, and you'll say, is it evil? Wicked? A sin? But James is saying that if you ever think or say or do anything without also adding, if it is the Lord's will, it is a terrible thing. Why? Why is that so bad? 
Well, because of what it does to you. First, it's not good for your relationship with God. I mean, who likes to be forgotten? Or dismissed as irrelevant? Or not consulted with, especially by somebody who you're close to and who you love? One of the great sins in the Old Testament was that the people of God forgot him. I mean, sure, they remembered him an hour on a Sunday and then a few minutes each morning. But apart from that, basically, they just went about doing their own thing. And in Jeremiah chapter 2, it says, Does a bride forget her jewellery or her wedding ornaments? But you forget me, says God. It's true, I've done a lot of weddings here. I've never yet had a bride come up the aisle and say, oops, I forgot to put my makeup on today. <laughs> yeah, we, we consult with the people that we love. A friend of mine a few weeks ago, he has two young children. And the routine that they have in their home is that he takes those two young children to school on his way to work. He drops them off at school, then he goes on to work. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, he couldn't do that because he had an early meeting and he had to go to the train station instead at the same time as he was meant to take the children to school. And he thought he'd talk to his wife about that. But when he went out the front door and the front door closed behind him, his phone went off in his pocket and he picked it up and he said, you forgot the kids. <laughs> because, you see, when we love somebody, we consult with them. And God is saying here, James is saying, you know, you... You say that you follow me. You say that, you know, you're really close to me. But you don't bring me in on your planning. Not, not really. But the other thing, which is much more important of what it just does to us, it's not just bad for our relationship with God. It's bad to forget God because of ourselves. If you understand this, what I'm about to talk about, this will revolutionize your life. See, in theology, there are something called the incommunicable attributes of God and the communicable attributes of God. Communicable attributes of God are the aspects of God's character that he shares with us, like his wisdom or his mercy, his grace, his love, that if we draw near to him, they rub off on us through the Holy Spirit and we pick up some of those communicable aspects of God's character. Incommunicable attributes of God are the aspects of God's being which are his and his alone. He doesn't share them with us. That he is all-powerful, all-knowing, infinite, and perfect. And the sad thing is that the way that we organize our lives very often is that we don't seem to attempt very much the communicable attributes, the ones that he does want to share with us. But then we go around believing or living like we have the incommunicable ones, the ones that we could never have, that we know everything, and that we can do anything, and that we are indestructible and in control. And basically we're saying we're stepping into the place of God ourselves. 
And this does a lot of bad things in your life. I mean, think about for a moment your anger problem. Or or if that's too strong a word, your problem of frustration. Or when you get really wound up, when something that you think should happen in your life doesn't happen. Something that you're gripping so hard, a promotion at work, a pay rise, trying to get a house or a relationship or whatever it might be, that that if if you don't get this thing, your life will hardly be worth living and you'll react in fear and frustration and anger even. Why do you do that? It's because of frustrated ambition. If you trace that emotion right back to its roots, nine times out of ten, it's actually because we are stepping into the place of God. We're saying, I know how my life is meant to work out. I know that I must have this thing. And why do we assume that? Because we think that we know best, and we think that we know how life should go. We'll try another one. Uh, Worry. Why do you worry? I don't mean anxiety. I think your life is full of anxieties. And we all live with varying levels of anxiety. I don't think that's a sin. But, But some of us live with overwhelming levels of worry. Why do you worry? You worry to the degree that you say, I know. I know what tomorrow brings. I know how this should happen. And I'm scared that God doesn't know. That he's not in the office tomorrow. And so I'm frightened that he might not get it right. Because he doesn't really know, but I know. And so I'm worried. It's forgetting who God is. You see, you're, you're taking on yourself the incommunicable attributes of God. And James is saying here, you try and set your life up as if you control everything. As if you can do everything and you know everything. But you don't. And you can't. And it is killing you. I mean, what is your life? You're just a mist. It appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. I wonder what your life would look like and your emotional and mental well-being as well. If you began from today to make a habit of saying, I really want this job. I really want this relationship. I really want that pay rise. I really want to get that house. I really want. So I'm setting a goal and I'm making plans towards it and I'm praying and I'm hoping but I don't know. I'm not God. I'm his child. And so underneath all of those, my hopes and my dreams and my plans, my goal setting, 
I'm going to relax under the principle that says, if it is the Lord's will. I wonder whether that might help you to live more lightly. But how do we know that this will work? Um, So if you and I decide to go out of church today and think, right, for this moment, I'm going to try and live more lightly in that way. I'm going to try and release some of the control of things that I must have or must get and just trust God more. How, How do you know that when you do that, it'll come off and it'll work? Because of the cross. See, on the cross, Jesus faced the worst things that could ever be encountered by humanity. Utter isolation, utter humiliation, cruelty, execution. And he was brought through it by the resurrection. On the cross, Jesus went to the farthest reaches of anything that you and I will ever encounter. Any worst case scenario, any catastrophe, he swept up on the cross not only all the consequences of our failures and our sins and our shame, but also every eventuality. He went to the farthest reaches of everything that life will ever mean for us. And on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forgotten me? And in that moment, Jesus was cosmically forgotten so that you and I never will be. Through the cross and the resurrection, God remembers you. And you can always remember him. Now this is what will transform your life day to day as it has mine. I have discovered that the answer to all my fear, all my disappointments, all my worry, all my anxieties is the cross. Say, for example, disappointment. I don't know whether you're the same, but I found, especially growing up, I think disappointment is one of life's most difficult emotions to overcome. When you kind of go at something and you get knocked back and you try again and you get knocked back, disappointment. When I left university many years ago, I had my heart and all my effort set on a career in sales and business. That's what I wanted to do. And although I had a job, I kept on applying for a better job. And at every point, I got knocked back. Sometimes I'd reply and didn't get an interview. Most times I would get an interview, but not get through the first stage. Or I'd get through to the second stage, and then the final sometimes interview panel, sometimes down to the final two or three. And every time, I was disappointed. Remember one occasion, and you're like this, I, um, I used to ring the company and ask, you know, just speak to the people department, I was told to do, just to try and get some tips for what I could do better next time. And I remember one job interview, getting down to the final two, 
and being so disappointed that I didn't get it. And I rang the people department just to give me some feedback about how I could do better next time. And they said, well, I actually got your notes in front of us and it all looks good. You know, you scored high on the tests. Uh, your presentation was good. The intray exercise was great. Panel seemed to go well. But there, there was, there's just something on your notes here. It says that at times you were enthusiastic to the point of overbearing. <laughs> anyway, do you know what sorted me out? It, it wasn't I didn't get the right job. In fact, I, I, I never got the right job. What sorted me out was I remembered the cross. And I remembered that on the cross, because of God's love for me, he wrapped his arms around the... When he died, he had my best life in mind. And his death on the cross has qualified him to know just how my life should work out. And after that, I just began to dare, as well as all my planning and my hoping, to also add in, but if it is the Lord's will. And I relaxed. More recently, I found myself a couple of years ago as we were coming out of lockdown uh, in a period of where I felt um, real anxiety in my life. Actually, rather embarrassingly, the anxiety that I felt was connected to going on holiday. Uh, we had two summer holidays consecutively where I found in the run-up to it and during high levels of anxiety, I, I began to kind of catastrophize that we might like miss the flight or I would lose my passport or lose one of the children or that I'd crash the hire car or not be able to find the hospital. I'd catch COVID or not be allowed back into the country. I mean, silly, isn't it? And I found myself getting anxious. Do you know what sorted me out? It was a combination of my wife and the cross. <laughs> See, when I looked at the cross, I realized that God had, in Jesus had already been to the very outer reaches of anything that I would ever face. He'd already been to the outer reaches of every catastrophe, everything going wrong, every worst nightmare, every failure or disaster. And he'd swept it all up in his loving arms. And he triumphed over those things, every worst case scenario, by the cross and the resurrection. And when I looked at the cross, it melted my anxiety. And I began to feel peace again. I, I pray that these realities will make a difference to your life this afternoon. You know, Jonathan Edwards, the 18th century theologian, he said, he got up every morning and he said, I must remember today that anything that I enjoy in my day that is less than hell is because of the gracious, upholding power of God lifting me up. And sure, you may well uh, continue to feel anxiety. I, I think that life is hard. We all carry anxieties. But your anxieties, your responsibilities, your, the pressures that you are under, 
won't overwhelm you and they need not kill you or destroy you. You will live more lightly. That's what I'll pray for you. But I'll also pray that this will be our gift to London because it strikes me that we're getting ready now in this season to bring the message of Christmas to London through all the different services and love Christmas. And what everybody says about this city is that there is a pandemic of worry and anxiety. And can you imagine if all the people at HTB lived in this season under a banner in their lives that says, if it is the Lord's will. Can you imagine the the humility that would come from that? But also the the confidence, the quiet confidence that would come from that. And then people that you invite or spend time with over the next few weeks, your work colleagues, your friends, your family at Christmas, they'll ask you, you know, how, how come you manage to live your life so lightly? And you'll say to them, it's because I always remember God. Amen. Amen. Should we pray? Why don't we stand to, to pray?